during the summer, when we get together here to sit, we do it in a way that is what we call informal or semi-formal, not fully formal in the traditional sense of Zen practice or Rinzai Zen as it is here in the United States. There's no requirement to wear robes for ordained people. There's the option to do that. Since it's hot, we are okay with uh, sitting in shorts and t-shirts. So it is less formal than coming to the really seriously formal kind of event. Now that makes it a good point in time. It gives the opportunity to reflect on what that formality or being formal actually means and what kind of role it plays here in what we call formal Zen practice. One of the most important things about the formal practice is to understand that it is at first not an end, but it is also not merely the means to come to an end. It's an expression of our understanding. It is a manifestation of who we are and of how we can act in that very moment from a different point of reference than the I am self. Those of us who come here and fulfill positions such as the Jigijitsu, the timekeeper, or the Shoji, the tea server, also called the Jisha, they enter into yet another layer of formal practice. And it's important when we engage in that formal practice to see through it and to be clear about why and what that formality is meant to be. And I said it already, when you act and function in the role, in the form, in the shape of Jikijitsu, when you act in the role, in the form, in the shape of the Jisha or the Shoji, there is no I am in there. It is not based upon what that little self that we so often take unconditionally as the center of all our thoughts, all our feelings, and all our decisions. No, we can drop that completely. And by following how the Jigijitsu indicates the beginning of the sitting, we step away one more step from that prison, from that being completely enslaved by our own self-referring mind. It's a little bit more elaborate because
because we have to learn when to ring the bell. We have to get into understanding what does the bell mean? Why was a bell chosen? Why are there clappers? Why was the sound of the clapper chosen for that particular point within our formal sitting? So it is an additional layer of investigation of acting in a specific set of circumstances according to a specific set of rules and expectations. Now all of us who just sit here and get up when the clappers clap and sit down when the bell rings, we also engage in the same practice. Just our role is different. Our role is the role of somebody who sits in Zazen. By not moving, by just manifesting stillness and awakeness, we also take back a step from that unconditional affirmation of this I am self. There are certainly different aspects between being the timekeeper and being the tea server and certainly being a Zazen practitioner in the formal context. Aspects that point out the mutual interplay between giving and receiving, or as it's said in Rinzai Zen, between holding fast and letting go. The fatherly strict aspect is manifested by the role of the Jikijitsu. The giving, caring, but still to a certain degree, since this is formal practice, stern aspect in that is embodied in the action, in the role, in the shape, in the form of the jisha, the shoji, the tea server. Let us put this in context. No, it is not a role play that happens here between the hours of 7.30 and 9 p.m. That's not what it is. But it is a lab. It is the opportunity for those who come here, who take the different positions, the different roles, to fully give themselves in a protected, in a safe environment and to act, to manifest accordingly to the circumstances. Now if we zoom out from this kind of close-up macro lens view of what's happening here and we zoom out over the time period of a whole day, a whole week, a whole month, and eventually a whole life, we will learn that when we go out into the world, 
we are called as Zen practitioners to do exactly the same thing, to learn to act appropriately from that not self-centered point of action in the different roles, the different forms, the different shapes that we take. When I get up in the morning, I manifest myself as somebody who boils water and makes coffee. Shape-shifting into the one who with the other human beings, with Shuko-san, becomes one with the coffee. Shape-shifting into a person taking a shower, a person getting dressed, a driver, an administrator at a university. Shifting without any kind of attachment, any kind of fetters that would hold us from assuming an appropriate role, an appropriate action in the circumstances in which we find ourselves is the freedom that we read about in the Rinzai Roku. When Rinzai speaks about the person who is the master of their own affairs. It is that freedom of not being fettered, of not being bound and chained to that central, always longing for affirmation, I am. Identity is a very demanding process. It demands a lot of energy and all identities are probably, we could say, us being in a high-maintenance relationship with that identity. Something is always not just as it should be to the liking of that identity. Or even worse, when that identity gets scuffed a little bit because reality shows us that, well, it really isn't the way that this identity wants to appear. Oh, those scuffs. We try to polish them away as quickly as we can. But Zen practice and this formal Zen practice of being able to shift, of being able to take formal action, action as form, action in a specific shape or role, even with a very specific expression, is what turns us into that person who is the master of their own affairs. Sometimes our thinking goes that, well, if I forget, if I lose my identity, I will just turn into 
a blob without characteristics. Who am I if I'm not the identity that I have conjured up over all these years, refined and put in place and hidden all the things that shouldn't be exposed? That thinking sometimes crosses our mind in the years that we sit. So if I'm not that identity, who am I? And of course, there's apprehension involved. There will be resistance because that identity is in the business of holding on. It is in the business of always getting its way. It is in the business to arrive at that in whatever way necessary. However, we have as human beings to let that happen. We have to enable that for it to just happen. So Zen practice is about learning how not unconditionally turning into the enabler of that I am self fixation. And don't be fooled by the I am self. Sometimes it fixates itself in a positive, self-affirming way, thinking, feeling, oh, how wonderful I am, how enlightened, how open, how kind and smart and this and that. That's just one of the flavors of the I am self holding on to making sure that the focus is right in the middle of that I, I, I. The other side is, I am unworthy. I will never get to the understanding of this. I'm stupid. I'm not good looking. I'm not intelligent. This person is so much smarter than I am. And all those kind of judgments, all those little stabs that appear on the surface to be against the I am self are nothing else but yet another way of remaining surely and certainly in the focus. So sitting here formally, taking on posture, taking on a specific shape, a specific form, a specific role, is one of the ways of Zen practice to teach us to loosen that grip, to let go and to not be the slave of that I am self. It is a setup in which we can fully, without having to be afraid, let ourselves drop just into the being, into the moment, free of any discursive thinking, free of having to affirm 
that I am self in whatever of its countless ways, one breath at a time. This is where we learn to make contact with things as they are. But at the same time, knowing that, well, things as they are right now, but we still, in the human realm, have responsibility to attend to those things. Otherwise, who cares about the planet? This is how it is. It's going down. Well, again, self-centered. There is no place, as you will sometimes read, of nirvana, of escape, a different kind of place where you have transcended all the needs, all the suffering, everything, where there is no more suffering, no form, no shape. Well, there might be experiences like that when you completely disappear. But that is where Tathagata Zen comes in and Rinzai Zen. And where we know from our experience that in that place there is also no abiding. We cannot stay there. Inevitably we return into this world, into the world of human beings, into the world of sensation, into the world of phenomena. And then here we are called to shapeshift, just like water, into whatever shape, into whatever form, into whatever role that is called for by the circumstances, the conditions that make these requirements, these moments arise, change over and over again. Welcome shapeshifters, shift along And notice where the shifting doesn't happen. Have an identity. Assume it. Let it go.